1: Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. This is FBG Margo, and on the line today, we have FBG Jen. Hello! And we have FBG Kristen. Yo! And our guest today is Audrey Dunham. She is the wife of comedian and ventriloquist Jeff Dunham, who is one of the most popular entertainers in the business. I was looking him up. His numbers are incredible. And <clears throat> his wife is our guest today. She's a lifestyle blogger. She was a fitness competitor for a while. She's a plant based food nutritionist, and she's got some shows coming up. She's so sweet. And Jen, I don't know how you felt like you and I had the conversation with her. I felt like we were three friends having a smoothie after Pilates class or something.
0: Totally. I also feel like we could have easily talked to her for like another hour. <laughs> she's a great talker
1: and she's very yeah. funny and very warm. And one of the things she talks about in this interview and I really appreciate is that social media being a positive influence in our lives. Because you always hear all the time, it's so bad. It's why we're turning dumber and meaner and the world is getting terrible. And I, I like social media. You know, I think there's a good side to it. So I wanted to us to just sort of trade some stories today about... Good ways of using social media, if you guys are cool with that.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I, you know, and I agree. There's a lot of negative things about social media, but there's also a lot of positive things. So I think it's nice to also get such a bad rap to highlight on the positive things. And, you know, hopefully, like we intend here at Fitbottom Girls on all of our social channels to uplift and inspire and make you laugh and feel like you're, you know, heard and understood. So um, we try to be that positive force. But I know for myself personally, social media, after, after the Trump election, social media became so powerful for me and positive for me in a different way. There were so many different feelings and so many different things happening, and continue to this. I mean, to this day, um, as the world is kind of insane. But there's, there was just sense, sense, such a sense of community that came out that wasn't just with my girlfriends. That I just felt like I was part of something larger and the same thing that kind of has happened after the two movement that is just like, wow, like there is this swell of energy and particularly, you know, females who are just ready to have things change, you know, and are ready to tell their stories and are ready to speak their truth. And like seeing all that and reading all that, like on such a personal level made me feel like my feelings that I was having about everything wasn't uncommon even though it kind of felt like I was going a little nuts but that's kind of we were all kind of going a little bit nuts and have now kind of together realized a little bit more of our power and in a lot of ways I think it's made me a more um, self-aware and vulnerable you know writer and communicator and you know person who is like kind of out there online you know in a very public way, made me, in the past, I know, like, especially for Fit Bottom Girls, we haven't been, you know, like, we wouldn't really ever get into politics or anything now. And now it's not like we're saying like, oh, you know, vote for this person or anything. We're not doing anything that's close to that. But we are very much being like, this is my story. This is my truth. These are the things that we believe in. And we believe in them really strongly. And we're going to say so. And I, I think social media has just been kind of a big, like, coming together powwow of all of that power. And it, I mean, it really has helped me through a lot of those just difficult times that, that we're kind of in right now.
1: Yeah. You know, I found social media about eight years ago, I want to say 2010, maybe 2011, but I first got on Twitter. And here I was, I was a fitness instructor and a freelancer, and I wanted to start a blog. I wanted to start blogging. That seems so exotic and cool thing to do. And so one of the first tweets I used to follow was at Girls, and I just loved your message and that's how I found the blog and your Instagram and everything else and the Facebook page and I just thought like this is the I love the conversation here you know it's so relatable and you had great ideas for workouts and for music and for everything so I just started following you guys and then I became a fitness blogger I go to a fitness blogging convention and I meet Jen and I'm all like gaga like it's Jen oh my god (laughs)
0: so funny so funny Mark
1: and you were—you're like the nicest, most normal person. And then, you know, six months later, you came to New York for business, and you and I just had coffee. And you're like, "Hey, you know, you want to write for us?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And then my friend Margot, who's also a fitness blogger, uh, we became friends through social media. We both had, we're both named Margot and both fitness bloggers. So we said, "Let's be friends," and we started a podcast together. And then we had fans of our podcast, book versus movie, and one of them gifted us with equipment. He says, I love your show, but you need better recording equipment. He goes, please let me give this to you. This is my gift to you. And I for once wow. I'm like, "And I, yeah. And I was like, you know what? Yes. You want to do something nice for me? I'm going to say yes. So I got it. And as soon as I got it, I was like, what can I do with it? I can't just do this one show. And then it popped in my head. What about a Fit Bottom Girls podcast? So I pitched it to the two of you. And now here we are, like at least once a week we get together and just us, you know, shoot the shit and hang out together but we've talked to the most amazing people and it's just turned us into this thing and i found you on twitter
0: yep like
2: isn't that crazy
0: we wouldn't have known each other without twitter that's right yep
2: yeah 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 you know i um i had something come up in in my facebook memories the other day and it was it was a picture of two female um I don't remember if it was like Olympic trials or it was extremely like elite track star running type thing. And it was two women, both of whom were, you know, unbelievably fit and, you know, wearing like the the sports bras. And one of them, like you could see every ridge of every abdominal muscle. Like you could, like there were muscles there that I didn't even know people had. (laughs) And then the other woman who obviously was just as fit, you couldn't see any definition. And it was this whole thing of, like, keep in mind that, like, pictures do not tell the whole story. And it was, I think it was, I'm going to, I may be screwing this up, but the woman who, of whom the picture was not as flattering, you know, wrote something saying, like, yeah, I mean, I drank water. I was breathing, you know, like, nobody just looks like they've got crazy abs literally at every moment. So you know, wear what you're comfortable wearing. And one of the things that I've seen with some regularity on um, social media is encouragement of women to run in or work out in whatever it is that they want. So, you know, like if you, if it's hot out and you want to run in just a sports bra, well, I mean, and bottoms, like don't go, you know, like keep it legal but, you know, if if what you're wanting to run in is a sports bra and shorts and some sunscreen, then who the hell cares if you've got love handles? Like, right. and, you know, I I really take that to heart when I see people. If I see someone running, I don't look to see whether I can count their abs. I look at them and I think, good job for being out there. You know, like that is end of conversation. And yet it is still difficult for me when this this is embarrassing to admit, but it, it it's difficult for me to, I guess, have the balls to to do that myself. Um, I will when I'm running somewhere, you know, on my own, uh, and it's really warm out, and I will when I'm on the beach. But like, if I'm going to a group run, there's something somewhere in my brain that is like, oh, you're gonna show up with all of your friends. Um, in a sports bra? You are? Okay. And you guys, it's really difficult for me. And I don't know why this is. Like, I, I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of this body. I'm yeah. proud of what it can do. What the hell?
0: Yeah. It's, I, I agree. I've never. I haven't done it. And it's, me neither. It feels uncomfortable. It is one of those things for, like, years I've been like, man, I want to wanna do that and just see what that's like and just kind of, like, and jump it. in. But I haven't. You know what? Screw it! Same 2018
2: year. is the year that Let's
0: I, I take off. A sports
2: bra. Yes, <laughs> I just got a really cute new one that I'm I actually got it and I was like, you know what? I want people to see it. It's adorbs. I'm doing it, guys. Yay! I'm yay. doing it. I'm gonna I'm gonna post a picture and you know what? I and I don't care what the comments say. I don't care if there's anyone who thinks that maybe there should be a shirt on over that because I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna work hard and be awesome and I don't give a damn.
1: Hell yeah! I love that. I think that's amazing. No, I'm the same way. I I don't either. For me though, it was growing up. I was one of the first girls to develop, so mm-hmm. it's one. It's a part of my body that like people paid attention to when I didn't want them to. If you if that makes any sense. So still, you know, I still I can feel like I talk about it. I feel like I'm 13 years old. You know, it still yeah. kind of comes back to me. But damn it, I'm going to do the same thing. At I will some Point in 2018. I will too. Yes. All three of us. Yes. Take
0: it's our it's a, Boom.
1: The Bra Tops challenge. Yay. I love it. <laughs> Hell Please yes.
0: join
1: us. Awesome. So uh, I guess we should just go right into our interview today with Audrey. She's she's amazing. You guys are just gonna love her to death. Audrey Dunham, she's adorable. She's your new best friend. Trust me. You guys are gonna love her. Can't wait. Audrey Dunham is a certified sports nutritionist plant-based nutritionist, fitness trainer, and a former fitness competitor, but at heart, she also happens to be an indulgent food lover and passionate baker. Additionally, Audrey's a food and lifestyle blogger, a mom to two toddler twin boys, plus she is the proud wife to comedian Jeff Dunham. She's here today to talk about her new health series, Plant-Based Slim Living Simplified, which is launching at the Hollywood Improv. Welcome to the show, Audrey. Hi there. Happy to be here. Well, we're very happy to have you. This is FBG Margo, and on the line today, we have FBG Jen. Hello. Hi, Jen and Margo. Hello. <laughs> so, Audrey, I want to start with your blog. How okay. Did, so how did you come up with it, and how do you keep motivated to create so much fun content?
3: You know, I was motivated because I just felt like – I mean, I've been a nutrition nut for, for many, many years, uh, certified in plant-based and sports nutrition, certified in fitness training, and I was a fitness competitor for a number of years, did, did several fitness competitions, and worked with clients. And it just seemed like, you know, as time went on, that people were really over the subjects of health and what you need to be a healthy person. And so many people think it requires perfection, but really it's all about doing the best you can most of the time. So the slogan on my website is Healthy, Happy Living Simplified. And so that's what I'm trying to do is, is to is to give some tips on not only health, but to offer recipes, give some tips on stress and relationships and, and just share a little bit about my life, too. There's a My World section on my site where I talk about some stuff going on in my life. And so that was the motivation behind it, uh, just just to kind of ease the subject that is so complicated for so many people and, and give people a new perspective. Yeah, and your site's, your site's really fun. Um, Thanks.
0: Can you, all go, yeah, oh, yeah. can you also talk to us a little bit about your health series that's the plant-based Slim Living Simplified, and it's at the Hollywood Improv, so can you also tell us a little bit about how that came about? I mean, I can kind of maybe yes. imagine
3: why, but I okay, want the story. So I, sure, sure. Okay, so, well... Started with the improv. My my husband uh, is is a comedian, Jeff Dunham, ventriloquist, and and we uh, wait. Well, I should say he started in the improvs. Did eighteen years of comedy clubs, and then his management team, um, um, who also owns the comedy club chain, offered that as the venue for my new seminar, Plant Based Slim Living Simplified. It works out really nicely because the in the middle of this seminar we stop for a 15-minute intermission where there are refreshments offered where I'm going to be taking some of my simplest snack recipes and uh, the chefs in the back, which is also nice because in the improvs, they also have restaurants attached and full kitchens and whatnot. Um, So those chefs are going to be helping me just whip up some really easy snacks so that people can have a snack during the intermission. So it works out really, really nicely to have that kitchen and the venue all in one. And so then the next... Uh, Seminar after the Hollywood Improv will be in let's say what is it Ontario California and then we have Oxnard California and then we have Irvine, so those are the those are the four that we have scheduled thus far and you know I my my goal is to take this around the country and really ease up the subject of plant based slim living. So is it more like nutrition focused or um, cooking focused? Okay. So the idea behind the seminar is a lot of people are starting the plant-based lifestyle. They're, they're dipping into it. They're curious. It's, kind of a, it's the hot new diet these days. People are seeing great results online. People are talking about it. In the UK and Australia, it's really huge. I mean, they, I'm seeing headlines constantly. There was one that came out the other day that said one quarter of uh, the people in the UK are eating plant-based for dinner now. One quarter. So wow. I thought this is this is pretty amazing, but the the idea that just eating plant-based or vegan will automatically help you lose weight is not necessarily true because there's a lot of foods out there that won't contribute to fat loss necessarily won't contribute to health some people if they're eating really gnarly heavy foods that are still vegan they aren't necessarily going to help them look their best or feel their best or live the longest and so I'm trying to break it down and even for people that are carnivores omnivores you have it I'm basically kind of sharing okay I have a history where I loved eating cheese and meat everything and I was a fitness competitor eating lots and lots of meat (laughs) and but now with the research that we have okay those foods might help you lose weight um, or help you achieve um, a fitness goal or a health goal there's a lot of ways you can lose fat by the way I mean you can you can (laughs) you can lose weight by by taking drugs but It's not necessarily the healthiest (laughs) way, right? Without getting, I mean, heroin will help you lose weight, but it's not going to help you live a long time, right? (laughs) But probably not a great idea. (laughs) Yeah. So, so I'm I'm breaking it down. My experience. Okay, I I loved all these foods growing up. I get it. And so I'm trying to talk to the average everyday person who's eating the American diet with lots of um, protein, animal protein, cheese, yogurt, chicken, fish. You have it. And kind of just sharing some of the information that a lot of people don't know and why those foods aren't necessarily going to help us live the longest. Some of them might help you achieve a fat goal, a fat loss goal, but there's another way you can do it. You can do it with plant based eating. And these foods are also going to help you live a longer life because they are the most anti inflammatory food, plant based foods are. And there's a lot of disease now connected with the animal protein. And so, after I after I learned all of this I, was, I have to spread the word I have to get out there and just share my journey with people let them know where I've come from and that I've been on a million diets in my life I've tried them all I've even as a fitness trainer even as a as um, somebody who coached somebody else meanwhile I was struggling myself a lot of the time trying to figure out how in the world I was going to get to my goal weight yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. having my own battles with food and so it was it was a, a journey of my own and I finally feel like okay I've I've gathered enough information I've experienced enough I've worked with enough people that you know it I I can put together a pretty rock solid seminar now and and spread the word and maybe make this a little bit easier for other people
1: so before I get to my next question I want you both to know that there is a British dude his name's Brian Uh May and he's the guitarist Uh for Queen and we're named for a Queen song he is a vegan and and eats a plant-based diet and if you follow him on Instagram and it's Brian May for real he posts pictures of his meals all the time (laughs) and, <laughs> oh my gosh! And he's amazing, and he's a scientist, by the way. Now he he works at Oxford. So anyway, for you guys out there, just follow his Instagram feed. It's such a delight. But he's also a total plant eater, and is always trying to like encourage more Brits to do that. So just that's like,
3: great. Just planning that. To I will.
1: So can we also have him on the show? That would that would like blow. Oh, I think that would collectively. <laughs> I think we would all pass fine. out. I think we would all just pass out. I don't know if we could handle it. The coolness. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know what no uh, challenge accepted I'm going to try okay 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 Okay. okay. <laughs> so back to the back to the question so Audrey where did you develop your love of cooking and
3: how do you come up with these recipes you know growing up my mom was in the kitchen constantly she worked I don't know how she did it she worked a full-time job and then as a teacher and then would come home and sit there and think okay what am I making for dinner tonight and then she'd be up and in the kitchen and it was like she had endless energy it was amazing but as a board you know, kid, I would follow her around and get into the kitchen and and start learning the basics. I learned how to make spaghetti and then and then we started baking together. and I really grew to love baking quite a bit. And so I learned all the basics from my mom. and then and then just I just realized over time as I grew up that I just really had a fascination for how food was paired, and I wanted to make things on my own and copy recipes that I had in restaurants and put my own spin on them even. And it so developed over time. And then after um, and then actually when I was doing fitness competitions, you to stick to this really strict uh, menu or diet plan that you're supposed to follow. And so this was about 10 years ago when I got into that. And I got so sick of the same old stuff being so plain, the chicken and the vegetables and and the rice. And I realized, wait a minute. Spices don't have calories. I can add those. And, and then I got into vinegars, too, because vinegars can add a lot of flavor. And so I started thinking, I can make my fitness competition food taste better and more enjoyable. And so I really started to get creative in that way. And then after I decided to retire from fitness competitions, after Jeff and I got married, um, I was creating recipes of my own. Um, just um, we, I, I used to tour around with him for seven years. I was on the road with him. And we had this tiny little kitchen on the tour bus. So my challenge was then to come up with delicious recipes that I could make in a tiny little kitchen. And uh, so it was one one little quest after another and trying to constantly improve my skills and to learn more. Then I discovered the Food Network and the Cooking Channel and, and started to learn a lot from there. Then I found out that the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York, has boot camps and cooking classes and so I spent a week there and learned a ton in a short amount of time and then just started to kind of teach myself and but then we have kids we have twins in October of 2015 so then I started realizing I don't have time to Mm -hmm. come up with elaborate recipes anymore I need things that are simple and easy and uh, so then the goal was to uh, create stuff that tasted really good required few amounts of ingredients, short lists, and were quick. And, and then I realized, you know what, I'm not the only one. There are a lot of people out there, whether you have kids or not, that want recipes like this. And so I was actually really motivated just by that idea.
0: Yeah, I will say the the meals that I cooked before I had my daughter and the meals that I cook now, like <laughs> di- like the requirements for what I'm looking for are very, are very different. We still like, you know, hands oh, yeah. will like try to do something like more elaborate because my husband and I like to cook. But yeah, on the weeknights, it's like exactly, exactly what you said. So right. with that in mind, what are like a few of your like go-to family meals
3: right now? My favorite, well, first of all, on the weekends, like most people, you just go and you do all your grocery shopping bring home all your produce and then what I do is I don't allow myself to put it into the fridge until it is washed and prepped mm. and sometimes it might sit on the counter for several hours until I can get to it you know maybe I have to wait until the boys take a nap or till they go to bed but if when you do that you're less likely to let those vegetables just kind of rot away in your fridge and be forgotten I mean I, I know that we probably all experience that we, we go to the grocery store we bring we, we get all motivated we buy all kinds of vegetables we bring them home, and then they just get tucked away, and we forget about them, and then the next thing you know, they're they're spoiled. So by prepping them, getting them all ready, and then putting them in a storage container so they're front and center and ready to go um, is, is what I try and do. If I have extra time, what I'll do is I'll just lay out a bunch of chopped vegetables on baking sheets, cover them in a light layer of oil, put them in the oven, and when you have four or five different types of vegetables all ready to go, you can get really creative throughout the week. And so for lunchtime, what we do is we do a lot of like grain and bean bowls with lots of vegetables. So we'll have some roasted carrots and asparagus and cauliflower and butternut squash, and, and we'll throw in some quinoa, which is nice and easy, and 15 minutes to make. Open up a can of beans, put those in there, top with avocado, and then drizzle with like a balsamic glaze for some extra flavor, and you're set. So that's that's typical. That's our typical lunch. So all the prep is so easy. Just throw the vegetables in the oven, put on a pot of quinoa. That takes 15 minutes, and then you know, open the can of beans, and that's that's the busy mom's lunch right there. <laughs> <So, laughs> Tastes so, good. Um, but I also love doing. I'll get sick of that, so I'll do some stir fries. And what's nice is that you can just take a large frying pan, cover it in one single layer of vegetables, turn on the fire on medium, and then just let them sit for like five minutes without touching them, so that they get some nice color. And then you flip them as much as you as easily as you can, just try and just get turn them over, get the other side going, and then you add in some soy sauce, some orange marmalade, a little bit of ginger, maybe some powdered garlic. So powdered ginger, because a lot of us don't have time to chop fresh ginger. If you do, that's great. But if you otherwise the powdered stuff is just fine. So you have your soy sauce, the orange marmalade, powdered ginger, powdered garlic, put it on top of the vegetables, create kind of a sauce with it, a little extra water if you need to, and then you have the most amazing Asian stir fry. So just put that on top of some rice, add in some beans if you want a little extra bulk and some extra protein and fiber, and that's a nice, easy go-to recipe. I have it on my website. Yum! I can't. Yeah. Know, I don't
0: know why. I've never thought to put orange marmalade in with like my stir fry. Like that seems like it would give it such like a nice like citrus punch. And it's not like you're peeling an orange and then putting it in there. It's just something you oh, just put yeah. in the fridge. Duh, I just had like a cooking aha moment there. <laughs> <laughs> you
3: know, you know. I wish I could take credit for that. It is totally <laughs> my grandma. She was the one ah. that taught me that trick. And she and she keeps it very simple. She'll just do. She'll take the jar, scoop it out into the pan, and then take the soy sauce. And then she just does those two ingredients. And that's a lot of flavor in its own. But marmalade has some sugar already added to it. So it adds a nice sweetness and the tang.
1: Yum. Yeah. So you just mentioned you are the mom to two wonderful twin boys. Congratulations.
3: How old are they now? They are two and a quarter. So they are... I mean, they are adorable, but they're also little rascals. I mean, we we Mm -hmm. compare them to the raptors, (laughs) Velociraptors (laughs) in Jurassic Park, (laughs) because they are so clever and they work as a team. So, uh, just about yeah, just about two weeks ago, any parent who's had had toddlers or, or raised kids in general, they they know the day that their kid learns to crawl out of their crib. Is a game changer. You're like, all right, my life is over. <laughs> I can no longer keep them in the cage, and you know what I mean. So you never know when they're going to climb out. So they both recently learned to do that. So we quickly had just for safety, we had to get them into toddler beds, and so they're they're now adjusting to the freedom <laughs> and of being able to get in in and out of bed as they like. And it's interesting because we have one that likes to nap, one that doesn't. Oh boy. Um, we have one that loves to sleep at night and the other one that doesn't. So yeah. it's it's an interesting contrast. But man, they're so much fun. They're so cute.
0: But hopefully they'll help each other out. Like hopefully eventually, like one will teach the other one. Like no, go back to bed. Like go go
3: to sleep. Yeah. It's time to sleep you know, <laughs> that's what you I think. Like, sleeper. Or... <laughs> right. I know. Like you, you're keeping me up. Can you please just lay down or something? Take a <laughs> book with you. But um, you know, and they're so fun. They're they're so different in every way. We have one. I mean, they look really different. They're fraternal twins. One's a redhead with like the really pale skin and bright blue eyes, and then the, and he looks just like Jeff, and then the other one. Um, it's kind of my little doppelganger. He's, he's, um, he's got brown hair and, and blue eyes as well, but a a darker blue and more like olivey type skin compared to his bro. And so they, I mean, just looking at them, if if we didn't dress them exactly the same, most of the time people would have have no idea they were twins. So, but what happened to
1: your workout routine
3: when you were pregnant with them? You know, we were pregnant with twins. That must've been quite a change. Oh yeah. You know, your body was going through. For sure, and and you know, and I was super paranoid that I was gonna miscarry and lose them, and so in the beginning, I really took it easy. I was just so overly paranoid, and uh, so really just took it easy. After after we got kind of into a safe zone, after three months along, I would do start doing some easy stuff. But really relied on on things like um, on w- just walking and maybe some simple squats, and that was about it. Just carrying them around felt like a workout. At the end, it was. It, it was so tiring that I actually remember sitting at the the breakfast table uh, one morning thinking, man, I could really use some almond milk for some my oatmeal, but that means I need to stand up. Uh, okay, I'm not gonna have any almond milk. <laughs> Cause it was just too much work to get up. I mean, there was so there was so much stress on the body towards the end. but just in general, while we're on the subject of exercise, I really feel like people overthink it in general. They put so much pressure on themselves to get to the gym and have a really hardcore workout when really, you can have a really fantastic workout at home in just 10 minutes, 20 minutes. As long as you, you're constantly moving and you get that heart rate up in whatever way, that's good enough. And getting out and walking does wonders for you. And so that, you know, the in my seminar, that's going to be the shortest section is exercise. <laughs> Granted, there's tons of benefits with um, weightlifting. I mean, it's great for bone health to build bone density, and it's great for balance. And so, you know, the last thing we all want to do as we get older is to have a fall. So, you know, if you, if you look at it as an investment in yourself, you're keeping yourself out of the hospital because you're not going to fall and break your hip because you've been lifting weights, then great. But if you don't see yourself doing that, just find some other way that you enjoy working out and that think of it as your time. That's time for you to kind of release some stress to get your blood flowing and you know that blood flow really helps with preventing disease just think of it in a different way and and i think that people would be exercising a lot more if they just kind of change the way they thought about it it doesn't need to be long it doesn't need to be an hour it doesn't need to be an hour every day it just needs to be like 20 minutes most days so there you go <laughs>
0: Sorry, I was unmuted and taking notes.
3: Um, <laughs> I was like, I'm
0: going to have an next question I swear. Um, I was like, but I'll lose this quote. So you talked about your workout routine um, when you were pregnant. What about now? What's it like now, and how is it
3: kind of continuing to evolve now that you do have those adorable little twin boys? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's it, it really changed for me. My days of having the luxury of long workouts are – Are gone for now. So I made the decision after the boys were born, okay, I'm gonna make sure I get in my workout because I like working out. It makes me feel good and I like I like feeling strong. And I felt like I needed to be strong in order to keep lifting two children constantly. And so I was really motivated to get back in the gym and make sure that I was getting in those workouts. But the luxury of having the longer workouts were gone. So I thought, okay, if I can just take twenty minutes and make sure that every minute is used really well, then I'm just going to see how that works. So it worked amazingly, actually. I got all of my baby weight off. I got below my pre-pregnancy weight simply by doing, well, the plant-based diet for one thing, but as far as workouts, I was never in the gym longer than 20 to 40 minutes. And it was basically just doing some, I have a piece of cardio equipment at my house. And so I do the high-intensity interval training where you do some intervals. And if I had time for some weights, I would do circuit training where if you do an upper body exercise and then immediately move to like a lower body exercise like squats then that upper body is resting while you're working the, the lower body and so you can go back and forth between the two exercises without stopping so and then you can throw in some core exercise some abs crunches whatever in the middle if you want to give yourself more of a break on the upper body and then start all over again so you can be in and out of the gym in 20 to 30 minutes 40 Uh, But like I said, most of the time, it was a 20-minute workout for me. I just really – you have to kind of put your phone away and say, okay, no distractions. I just need to get this done in and out and make every minute count. Yeah. I was the same way. Like I would be like, okay, I don't have very long, but –
0: I went from, like, working out with kind of, like, la, 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 la. I can kind of do whatever <laughs> I want, you know, over time to being, like,
3: 20 minutes, go, like, yeah. super crazy focused. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, things change. It's interesting. I mean, and it's not just for people with, who have kids, but people who have, yeah. like, a high-demanding job or – even if they have pets they want to get home, to so they can walk them or whatever yeah. it is. Like, we're all, I mean, especially in America, we're really busy, and we, we usually pack our schedules to the max. And so we, you know, we unfortunately put ourselves and our own health on the back burner, yeah. and and we really should be making it first because all those people we're trying to take care of, our family, our dogs, we can not take care of them if we're sick. Or if we, you know, if we're in the hospital or what have you. So taking care of our health, our own health should be the number one top priority. Yeah. I know it's really hard for people, especially women. They, you know, they, we're, we're all such givers and we want to take care of everybody and our, our significant others and our family. And, you know, we can do our best, but I think it, it, it really pays off to put yourself first and foremost. And then that way it kind of trickles off and then in, um, and ends up taking care of your family in the long run.
1: I'd like to go back to actually, you were mentioning before about being a fitness competitor and Uh we've had a few of them on our show and they all describe how grueling and monotonous it is. The training can be Oh yeah, and how restrictive and unhealthy the dieting can be. Can you please talk about your experience in that world?
3: Oh, absolutely. And you know, it, in retrospect, I I worked with a coach and he was a really well-known famous coach that took on, I mean, hundreds of clients and, um, he, uh, he always kept our conversations on the phone very short and very brief when we check in every two weeks and he'd up my cardio. I was up to a, a crazy amount, an hour and 45, sometimes two hours towards the end when you're getting ready to be on stage and then your calories are so low. Um, and then, um, and then he, after I got married to Jeff, uh, he found out that I was married to a comedian and. So I, he asked if he could come to the show and, um, and so he came backstage after Jeff's show and, and we just started talking about the industry, the fitness competitions and, and he kind of let on. He's like, you know, you know, girls, they, they, they get in this great shape and they're ripped. Um, but then afterwards they just have a really hard time getting back to normal life and to normal eating again. So they gain all their weight back, but it kind of works out well for me because then I get more business and they come back to me and I'm just thinking, dude, I'm one of those people. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh. It was just really an eye opener, like, man. Okay. So it, it, what happens is that when you get your calories so low, and this is not only for fitness competitions, but for anybody who goes on an extreme diet or they decide to get their calories really low, what happens is that our body is constantly, it, the body's number one job is to adapt. It's trying to survive. And so if you bring your calories really, really low, that becomes your basal metabolic rate. So that is what your body is now saying, okay, these are the calories we're going to get each day. We're going to learn to survive on this amount. And meanwhile, yes, you are losing some, some weight. After a while, it will plateau and get used to it, though, because that's what the body does. Um, if you are done suddenly with a fitness competition or you reach your goal or your wedding day or whatever it is that you've been dieting for, and then you try and go back to a normal life afterwards. It's extremely difficult, and you usually gain that weight back really quickly because your basal mod- metabolic rate is so low. So if you're taking in twelve hundred calories, and then you suddenly go up to two thousand, your body goes into shock, and so you're suddenly gaining, in, uh, taking in all of this water weight, and all these calories are just getting stored because your body is like, "Wow, we finally have some excess." And so, you know, what if we go into starvation again? We need to be ready, so it's going to store all of it, and and. These competitors, these people, anybody who goes on an extreme diet, they don't know what's going on. And they get extremely frustrated because they work so hard to get to that point. So even these fitness competitors who seem like they're like the epitome of fitness, that they must know everything because they're able to get to this point. The truth of the matter is half the time they're just doing what their coaches tell them to do or they're following a plan that they found online or something. And and, and they have a really hard time keeping staying in shape. And so that's what I did for years. I mean, after I would fitness, uh, finish a fitness competition, I was dreaming of Reese's Peanut Butter Cups and, and bread and, and you name it. So I had this list of food that I wanted to go and, and tackle as soon as I got off stage. Um, but then it, you have this, this this list in your head. Okay, I have this list of good foods, foods that I'm supposed to eat that will help with weight loss, and then everything else is in the bad category. And anytime time that you get eat a food on that bad category, um, which really isn't bad, I mean, we're talking like, Maybe um, like a a, a, who knows, like a a little extra oatmeal or if you're having more almond butter or, you know, or or excess of something or if if you just feel like you're eating too much, you feel this guilt and you don't know how to handle it. You don't know how to adjust back to normal life. So that's the biggest challenge that I see um, fitness competitors go through. And it's just it, it breaks my heart because they need a coach that actually tells them how to adjust back to eating a little bit more after that competition is over and and how to ease back in and allow the body to adjust to a little bit more calories afterwards.
0: So how did you how did you transition that? How did you change your this and cause this is kind of a common theme I've heard from I think we've on yeah. the podcast I remember people it was like, you know, you go from basically, you know, crash dieting like yo-yo dieting for a right. uh, very physical means because it's a fitness right. competition and then how do you transition so that then your um, intention does begin to be more about health and feeling good how did you how did you get through that process
3: well I finally got so sick of it after I walked off stage for my last competition in 2011 I just thought this is it I, you know it's not fun for me anymore because it just it became a really popular sport they they added this bikini division and so a lot more people started entering fitness competitions and uh, it was so crowded backstage. And I just, I just felt like we we're all cattle. It just wasn't, wasn't fun anymore. And then plus the process of it was just too much. And, and I was with Jeff and I, and you know, when you, when you're training for a fitness competition, you really are so self-centered. It has to be, yeah. you're eating different food than they are, than everybody else in your life. And, you have to get in these workouts so you can't spend as much time with your family. And if you're working and you're trying to get in a three-hour workout, then then you don't leave much time for anybody else. And uh, so I just got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm done. But then Jeff and I get engaged. <laughs> and I'm like, well, shoot, I want to get in great shape for our, our wedding. So here we go again. I, the only plan that I know is a for-sure thing is a fitness competition-style plan. So Here we go again. And so I look at that as like my eighth fitness competition. It was the final one. And then, but thankfully Jeff was on board. He's like, I want to do it too. I want to get in great shape too. So we did it together. So that was fun. But then after that, I thought, okay, I need to heal my relationship with food because I'm having a hard time here, not feeling super guilty after I eat something that's not on the plan. And actually, you know what? Here's a good example. Toast. Toast with like a little bit of, of jam or something was never on a fitness competition plan. And so I felt extremely guilty eating something like that even if it's not necessarily an unhealthy food, I just didn't know how to eat for for normal life. So I really started to do some soul searching. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to figure this out. I don't care if it takes me years. I'm going to figure out how there's other people on this world who are naturally slim and maintain their weight year round, and they're not going on yo-yo diets, and they seem like they're they're enjoying some really great food, but they're not eating a whole bunch. So what's what's going on here? How are these naturally thin people in my life doing this? So I started reading lots of books on intuitive eating, which is a great subject to look into. Yeah, And it makes you more um, present when you're eating and to get rid of that anxiety that can come with food and with eating. And so there's been a ton of books written on that subject, which are great. I started to get into Janine Roth books, where she just kind of... Connects with, you know, those are written forever ago, but they they really help you connect and realize, okay, I'm not the only one. There are a lot of people going out through all the same feelings that I am in one form or another. It doesn't matter if I'm a fitness competitor. It doesn't matter who you are. A lot of us are feeling the same feelings having to do with food and our bodies and just having peace.
0: Reading so, Janine Roth, like, changed my life.
3: Oh, yeah. She's
0: so cool. So, like, like <laughs> food and God or something. And, yes. Uh, like yes. yes. Oh, I mean, it was like almost like a smack across the face. It was so, it was so good.
3: Yes. I, I you know, I think that you know there was one, that sh- the title was so awesome. It was something like, um, if you're going to eat in front of the f- fridge, pull up a chair. I think that was the title <laughs> of the book. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I have to read this. It was, yep. it was she, and, and it, you know, I think a lot of us, no matter what you've been through in your life or what you're going through now, what we often think is that you're the only one and that you're isolated and you feel lonely. But, oh, man, there's so many people on this earth that are just going through and feeling the exact same things. No matter what you've been through, there's somebody else out there who's already been through it. And um, so, I mean, I think the number one thing above food that we crave as people is human connection. We want to feel loved and be loved um, in some form. And so... Thank goodness we have podcasts. Thank goodness we have the internet. We have Facebook. We have social media. And so we're able to connect in so many ways now. Of course, there's the negative side that comes with social media. But for the most part, I think it's really fantastic because we're able to connect. So for some people out there who haven't found like their 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 partner in life yet and they're single and they might feel lonely, they can still feel that connection in a different form through you know, social media and listening to podcasts and realizing, okay, all right, I'm feeling connected to these people because I'm realizing that I'm not the only one that's feeling whatever it is I'm feeling right now.
1: Your husband just happens to be one of the most successful comedians in the business. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Is there a side to his personality that is different than what we see on stage
3: or what his audience sees that you can uh, let us know about? Sure. I mean, okay, So, so first and foremost, he is the guy that you see on stage most of the time he is he is so funny constantly um and he's if if he sees somebody having a bad day um whether they're in a convenience store working behind the counter or they it's a family member it all of a sudden becomes a challenge for him to try and make that person laugh and so this has happened in some really awkward situations where we've had family members in hospitals uh, funerals (laughs) Oh my and gosh! Like, I see somebody crying, I have a challenge. <laughs> and so, I have somebody who's frowning, I now have a challenge. And so he'll—it'll be sometimes it's a waitress in a restaurant. He's like, all right, I'm going to make this person laugh. And so it's—he's it's, um, exactly the person that you would hope and think he would be. However, he is an incredible businessman, and extremely driven. And we have an age difference. He's older than me, but you would never know because the guy has so much energy he runs circles around me. I mean, it's, it's, he's, and he's very spontaneous. He, he, you know, we, we can't do all the spontaneous things we used to. Now that we have kids, we can't just like pack up and go somewhere for a weekend like we used to, but he is, he, it's a, a, a kid inside of an adult's body. <laughs> and um, the other side of him is that he's extremely not only, okay. So he's managed to balance that. He's the businessman, but he's also the kid. So he's able, I think to use that as a benefit to where he is, taking that childlike side of him and presenting it to the public and he's using that side of him to to further his career and he does these youtube videos one of the youtube videos was um um the kids from our the the toys from our childhood that that could kill us or something like that (laughs) the things that used to be allowed that are no longer allowed like uh, (laughs) like these darts and like these realistic looking guns and, and things like that, that were, you know, just play guns, but they look like real guns. And so he did a whole video on that. And so he's, he's extremely focused and driven in the business aspect, but he's also a kid. Um, So there's, there's that side of him. Um, on the other side that, that I love so much. And my favorite side is, is his extremely sentimental. So he has, um, he has things from, he has three grown daughters uh, who are lovely young women from a previous marriage. Uh, and he still has little things like clippings of hair from their first haircuts and, and and all of these things. And he's just, he can't throw them away. He can't part with them because he'll even start crying when he starts thinking about when his daughters were little. Aww. And um, so he's, he's, uh, he's extremely sentimental as well. And um, even I mean, way more than I am. I, I am a sentimental person to a degree, but I also, You know, I I feel like I need to pick and choose what I hold on to and keep as far as keepsakes. But he's like, nope, let's just keep it all. (laughs) (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. So with both of you being, I mean, ambitious, you know, like very ambitious, successful, having twins, um, how do you make sure that you're still getting time for the two of you and you're kind of keeping your relationship healthy?
3: This is by far the most important thing is to put things on the calendar for just the two of you. So we have regular date nights. Um, I'm very, very thankful. I have my parents that live just 10 minutes down the road. And these are actually their only grandkids. My two brothers just so happen to be have zero interest in having kids. So these, um, these two are my parents' focus. And so they, I'm very, very lucky that way. Um, but we also have um, a part-time nanny that comes in and fills in here and there. Um, it's very important to kind of surround yourself with a, a team of people when you have a, a lot going on that are really fantastic, amazing people that can support but for anybody out there who doesn't have the team if, if either way you have to find that time just for the two of you
0: yeah
3: one way or another whether it's your friends that watch your kids or to somebody else that you really trust even if it's two hours so you can go out to dinner that time is it's so important just to sit across from one another put your phones down and just have a real conversation and just talk about life and what's going on yeah. um but the other thing that we do is that we both are morning people so we get up early way before the boys have our coffee and we kind of catch up every morning as well. And, and that's, those are the two times that that we try and do a date night twice a month. Uh, Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, But regardless when he's in town and he's not traveling, we're having coffee together in the morning.
1: (laughs) That is so sweet and so simple. (laughs) You know, it's just like, it's just just like a cup of coffee in the morning could make a big difference.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Taking just a couple of minutes where you're not stressed out, where you're not already overloading yourself with the day. If you're just taking a few minutes just to kind of maybe look out the windows, see what the sunrise is looking like and kind of talk about what we have going on. And you know, back in the day before we had kids, he and I were attached to the hip. We did everything together. I toured with him. I was his trainer on the road, and I was there for every business call. I was there for every major decision that ever happened. Any kind of plans that were made, I was right there. So it was a big shock when our boys were born
0: yeah. for me
3: to suddenly have to stay home and not be part of it anymore. It was really, it was really hard. Yeah. Um. And and I was really thankful that we had those years together where it was just the two of us. And and I mean, so many couples. Don't have that where they're able to spend so much time together and really connect right off the start. Um, and you know, every relationship is a little different, but we had that. We now have that foundation, and we can go back to that when things get stressful. And our, our kids are making us want to <laughs> kill ourselves. <laughs> you know, there's something going on. We can still. I mean, he does a really good job of just kind of like stop and look at me in the face and just be like, you know, we just have to laugh. Right now and I'm like you're right and we also have to drink some wine so get a bottle of wine <laughs> <Before> <laughs> laughing, we'll drink some wine. <laughs> that's, that's been a tactic in my household a
0: few times I have,
3: to say. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say I'm a total lightweight I'll totally admit it but the amazing benefits of drinking a half a glass of wine for stress for red wine as we red wine but uh, is it, it can be really a life changer and and are you guys familiar with the blue zones the blue zones the pe- the areas in the world where people are living the longest there's five of them oh. there's a book written on it yeah a little bit oh. It's it's amazing. So there's, there's this guy named Dan Buettner who's, who's been doing like 20 years of research on the areas in the world where people are living the longest and going out and, and, and finding these people. There's an area in, in Greece, there's Okinawa, Japan. I mean, they're all over. And then we have like uh, Loma Linda, California, which was yeah. like totally random. But what they've found is that all these people have these kind of things. They have all these things in common. So they have some sort of religion. Doesn't matter what kind. Some kind of religion. They have a great family basis. They mostly plant based, and they drink red wine. <laughs> and so, and so, it's it's it, there's more centenarians in these five places on the earth than any other. And four of those um, areas drink a lot of red wine. And so I'm not I'm not saying that we need to be drinking a lot because. Ultimately, it, it doesn't always agree with everybody, and it can make you lethargic the next day. It can make you crave more foods the next day. But if there's that tiny little bit that kind of takes the edge off when you're having a stressful day, I say go for it.
0: It's also just really nice to cook with a little, like, a glass of red wine. Like, I in know. My, in my experience. It's That's my favorite, favorite thing illusion. in the world. Yeah, it's like yes. a very luxurious, like, I'm making a delicious meal, and here's my glass of wine, and I'm so <laughs> put together and fancy
3: right now. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It, they just go together. I'm with you. So Jen, do you have any more questions for Audrey? I will ask. Why don't I ask
0: one more question? Go for it. And okay. then then I'll ask my and then question. you can do last question, Margo. Okay. Okay. I would like to know, and and we'll just kind of kind of circle back around to the beginning when you were talking about you know the importance of and the research on plant based foods and how healthy they are and what all the research right. is showing. If if someone wanted, if someone was like a heavy meat eater um, mm-hmm. or a lot of like kind of Processed foods. What would be just a couple of tips to help them transition to more of a, a plant-based lifestyle?
3: This is a, this is a great question because I think that this is a lot. Of, um, in the and the American diet, we we really focus on protein when really what we should be focusing is on is fiber. We're getting twice as much protein we need and only half the amount of fiber. And fiber, actually, I mean, if you just add if you continue eating meat but you just add more vegetables to your diet, then you're making a huge improvement for your health. So the fiber that comes from vegetables and grains and beans is disease fighting. And it's highly underestimated. And we should have doctors shouting from the rooftops that these foods help fight off disease. Um, but for somebody who's really loving meat and has a hard time even wrapping their minds around the idea of giving it up, the first thing I would do is to more think of it more as like a, a side dish. So you don't necessarily need to give it up right away. Just get used to eating less. So maybe you you save it for one meal of the day instead of two or three. Um, So you you save it for dinner. And then when you go out to restaurants, immediately start looking at what vegetables are on the menu. So you can look at the side dishes. In fact, you know what's funny is that steakhouses are some of the best places to eat plant based Oh, yeah. Because they have all of those vegetable side dishes. It's amazing. And I think that if you don't try and do too much too soon, you don't try and drive yourself crazy in the beginning. You don't. You know, talk to the restaurant server and say, OK, I need something without butter and without cheese. And, you know, they, if you just focus on the vegetables first and foremost, trying to get as many of those in your life as possible. And then you think, OK, um, I've got a great salad on the way at this restaurant. They're going to put together an awesome vegetable plate for me with all these sides put together on one plate for me. Great. But you still want a little bit of meat, then you can actually order a chicken breast or a piece of fish as, as like a side. And then it's not your main focus. It's not like the big elaborate presentation at the table. And when you have the guaranteed, when you have your plate of, of uh, your vegetable plate come out, by far you will have the attention of the entire table that you're with. <laughs> It'll be the most colorful thing on the planet. And with so many textures, and, and people are usually very envious. They're like, oh my gosh, I wish I was having what you're having. You have a big baked potato, you have some asparagus, you have some ratatouille, and it's just everything looks amazing. You have glazed carrots. And, um, and then it's so, so filling. What's great about those, um, those plant foods is that they have the veg, they have the fiber, they have the water content. So they're extremely filling. They take up a lot of space in your stomach. So you automatically are taking in less calories simply because there's no more space in your stomach for any more food. Once you load up on these, all these plant-based foods that are naturally low in calories. But I think the other thing too is, is, is to find some substitutes. So you really love burgers. Guess what? <laughs> there's a lot of people out there that know that plant-based is a trend, or there's vegan or plant-based bloggers out there, or there's people who are creating products that know that this is becoming a big interest, and they're doing all the guesswork for you. There, you can find some incredible veggie burgers and restaurants now. Some that are, I mean, really over the top, amazingly delicious. You can find some in the frozen section. You, there's recipes online to make your own, and since it's such a hot thing now, it's it's really accessible more than ever. It's a great time for anybody who wants to give plant-based a shot and so those are my two the two top pieces of advice i give to anybody who's a meat lover but wants to give it a shot the other great thing i have to mention is jackfruit Jackfruit, have you guys tried oh it yeah it's delicious i've it's, it's, it's had so it in good. barbecue
0: restaurants
3: yeah, yeah it's like it looks like pulled pork it has you know the texture is not exactly like pulled pork but it looks like it, and it resembles it and so as soon as you put that barbecue sauce on it Put it in between pieces, a couple pieces of bread and you feel like you have like this pulled pork sandwich. But it's made with jackfruit, which is like 40 calories in a cup and it's plant, So that means it has antioxidants and minerals and fiber and, and all the great things that all plant-based foods have. And, and, uh, and it's way better for your health and way lower in calories, but still super filling. So that's a great one. Even Trader Joe's has cans of jackfruit now. and You just yeah. drain it off and add your own sauce to it and you're good to go. So I guess I'm going to ask you the last question if you're ready. Sure. Yeah. And, and also I want to mention if okay. there's anything that you'd like me to rephrase or answer a little, little differently. I know I can get, I had a big cup of coffee this morning. So no, you know, you are oh, great. No, you're great. Trust huh? me. Yeah. Okay.
1: The audience right now is saying, what is she talking about? No, <laughs>
3: she's awesome.
1: <laughs> Keep talking Audrey. <laughs> so I just have one more question for you. What was okay. the, what was the last song you listened to before you did this podcast interview?
3: Oh, okay. I'll be totally honest with you. It was some sort of Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) (laughs) The kids rule the house at this point, even when we're in the car. And, uh, but I really, I love all types of music. I love, I love Pitbull. I love Maroon 5. I love country. Anything that's kind of happy and upbeat, um, is, is my kind of thing. I'm not surprised to hear that. (laughs)
0: I have I have tried to um, we haven't played any kids music in the car yet because I know that as soon as I do that's the only thing we're gonna listen to for like the end of eternity. Oh <laughs> so, yeah,
3: you're smart. Yes, yeah, so I'm like no, I'm like
0: because yeah, my my husband was suggested that the other day when my daughter was upset in the backseat. and I was like, no, we can't we can't play Moana. We'll listen to Moana for the rest of our
3: lives. Like no. Oh my gosh, well, how, how old is your daughter? <laughs> she's um she'll she's about three. She's almost three. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. I mean, from what I hear, girls tend to be. I, you know, I hate to say this because it really just depends on the personality, but I I have four best friends that all um, had kids around the same age as, I had had four, let me rephrase that, I have about four best friends who all had kids around the same time as me, which is really funny because we're all in our 30s and 40s, like none of us are spring chickens here and we all just happen to have babies around the same time, so we're all kind of comparing notes and, and the ones that have girls, just seem to have a little easier time with the two-year-old age you know there's and they're just a little bit more content they relax a little bit more they when they're in their high chairs they eat slowly and peacefully <laughs> with the boys in the group however including my you <laughs> they like they're eat and they're like all right i'm out of here i'm good let's move on to the next thing and so sitting in a car is sometimes a challenge at this age because they they want to get on to the next thing they want to be like entertain me somehow guys all right ready go and and when you're stuck at a stoplight you can't really do that. And so, you know, we ended up giving into the music. Yeah. And they they won in that regard. But um, you know, with with the two year olds it's it's all about distractions and finding entertainment and keeping it.
0: I mean, you have to do what you can to survive. I mean yeah, yeah, you totally. got two of them,
3: you're outnumbered. Yeah, it's all about survival. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, Anyway, so, so, so that's our situation, and, and that was probably our uh, the last song that I heard. They're really into Winnie the Pooh right now, which I think is so cute, because Jeff was really into Winnie the Pooh when he was a little boy, and so it's kind of like all first
1: full and circle.
3: He's, and he's very Aww. sentimental. Oh, yeah. He actually has the Winnie the Pooh doll from when his childhood, and <laughs> the, the, the Kanga and the Roo, and <laughs> I know they mean a lot to him because – his daughter Ashton was really attached to those two stuffed animals when she was a little girl. And so now they're in the room with the boys. I'm like, wow. You sure about that? I'm pretty sure that that King is not going to have a nose. If you leave it in there, it'll probably get chewed on. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, no, 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 they're stuffed animals. They should be in there with him. But, but yeah, of course he still has those. There's no way he's, he's getting rid of those. But, um, I think he gets it from his mom. Honestly, she was, she, she's still extremely sentimental. And, um, and, and I think that she passed that on to him, which is, is is very very sweet he's he's a good guy so cute
1: <laughs> thank you so Great. much <laughs> thank you thank you so much for being on the show you're you're a fantastic guest it's so much fun talking to you i feel like you know we just had around and had coffee together or something <laughs>
3: it was so delightful oh, well thank you it's been a pleasure and and in- you know, as I said, I really enjoy listening to your podcast. And, uh, you know, you guys are as anybody else who listens to you can agree They, you're, you're so down to earth and cool. And um, I wish that you weren't on the East Coast so we could hang out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the middle of the country. You guys can just oh, come to me. You?
0: I'm in where Kansas City. I'm in Kansas City, oh. Missouri. Yeah. And How then did our you other. Meet each other then? What?
3: How did you two meet each other? Oh,
0: um, Margo and I, uh, we originally met at a fit blogging. Yeah, a fitness blogger convention. Oh. And we hit it off. And then, um, because Margo has a blog, and then I was like, well, I kind of need someone to, like, cover stuff in New York. You want to do that Mm -hmm. for us? Like, sure. Well, she wasn't like, sure. She was like, sure. <laughs> I was so excited when I met her. I had I had a blog
1: crush on Fit Bottom Girls. I just love the blog so much. So when I met Jen, I was super excited. And then she asked me to be the New York correspondent. I did that for a few years. And then a couple of years ago, I guess a year and a half ago maybe, I don't even remember, but I said, do you want to do a, a podcast? You guys Would you guys be into that? And she's like, yeah, okay. You want to do it? Let's do it. And it just sort of oh, took off. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. And that's social media, by yeah. the way. You, yeah, you yeah. know that yeah. through social media. And that's like, and we formed yeah. a connection. So, yeah.
3: Oh, nice. That's really cool to hear. I mean, it's it's such a small world, really, when you get down to it. And, you know, like I said before, thank goodness the social media and podcasts, it, it makes the world even smaller. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's cool. That's cool. Well, I'm glad you guys found each other because you have, you've created a really great thing here. And, I, and I'm, I'm proud to be part of it for this small amount of time. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Likewise.